0: Well, today is part two of our series called Hashtag Struggles. First of all, let me uh, wish you all a happy Mother's Day out there, especially to my mother. Mama, you matter. I love you. <laughs> all right, these shirts mean something usually different, but today that's why I wore it, because my mom matters to me. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking in this uh, series about how social media and technology is great, but how many times it can hinder some of the things that God would have for us to do. And so in this particular day, this particular message, I want to talk to you about relationships. And, you know, with social media and stuff, I know I'm greatly encouraged many times through social media in my relationship with other people. Hashtag world's best pastor, which, by the way, somebody did do last week. So thank you <laughs> for doing that. The rest of you are on my naughty list. But that one person is on the good list. But uh, So, I mean, I, you get encouraged, you know, through social media a lot of times. But again, unfortunately, social media and technology has prevented us especially from living out jesus command to us in john chapter 13 so if you got a bible this morning you want to turn to john chapter 13 we're going to look at verses 34 and 35 i'm really going to encourage you to memorize these two verses if you don't have a bible that's fine you can follow along up on the screens you can follow along there in your program there's an insert that has all the scriptures on also you can pull out your smartphone and which we're talking about technology and the dangers of technology but this is actually one of the cool things you can get your bible right on your phone right you, you never uh have an excuse for not having god's word with you so you have a bible there's an app called uh YouVersion, and if you just download that you can follow along with everything that's going on this morning before we actually get to this particular verse so let me give you the context behind it who is jesus jesus is who he is god right And God loved us enough that he comes to the earth. He takes on human flesh and blood. And so Jesus, God in the flesh, the king that is above every other king, he stoops down, gets on his knees, and he does the most menial task known to mankind, and that is he reaches out and he washes his disciples' feet. What a stunning act of humility a stunning act of service and of love. Alright, so with that in mind, Jesus has just done this for his disciples, washed their feet. He then says this, John thirteen, thirty four to thirty five. So now I'm giving you a new commandment love each other, just as I have loved you, you should love each other, and your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Notice that he doesn't say what will prove to the world that you're my disciple is that you have a bumper sticker on your car that says honk if you love Jesus. That's not going to do it. Notice that he doesn't say that, you know, if you you wear like a a cross around your neck, that all the world will know that you're my disciple. He doesn't say the world will know that you're my disciple if you watch TBN. He doesn't say that the world will know that you're my disciple if you simply come to church occasionally doesn't say that the world will know that you're my disciple as long as you have perfect theology. What does he say? The world will know that you're my disciple because of what? What's it say? Because of your love for one another. And so to to Jesus, relationships are such a huge thing. Not just a relationship with him, but our relationship with each other as followers of his. That our relationship with each other as a church and in your life groups and with other Christians that you meet in the community... Your relationship will prove to the world that you're truly a disciple of Jesus. But again, social media, technology has gotten in a way of making that happen. It's prevented us many times from fully living out Jesus' commandment. You're saying, well, in what ways? Well, if you're taking notes a couple ways. Uh, the, The first thing is this. The definition of the word friend has changed. You know, it used to be a friend with somebody that you actually knew. Somebody that you spent a lot of time with. Somebody that you did life together with. Today, friend means somebody that you clicked the button on Facebook and said, I want to be your friend. Do you know that the average American on Facebook has 328 friends? That's the average, 328. But in studies that are done of do you have real friends, The average American now says that they only have two real friends, which is down from six just 20 years ago. So our our amount of real friends keeps decreasing and decreasing. Now here's what's really sad about that number of two. What really drugged the number down is 25% of Americans say they have zero people that they would call a friend. 25%. So what I'm trying to get you to see is this. It's possible to have 328 friends and zero friends all at the same time. And so that's one of the things that social media has done. Here's the second thing. We've become addicted to immediate affirmation. We've become addicted to immediate affirmation. In other words, if you're feeling lonely, the only thing you have to do now, instead of, like, going and actually making a friend and meeting with somebody, all you have to do now is post something on Facebook, what happens as soon as you post it somebody starts to like it or or somebody's commenting on it put something on twitter put something on instagram you know take that selfie all of a sudden what are people doing they're like oh girl you look so good i have never once seen a woman post a picture that at least one other woman didn't say you are so beautiful and i'm looking at some of the pictures going I don't want to judge, but come on, you know, it's like, wow, ladies encourage one another. I'm I'm all for that. But 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 see that that's what I'm talking about. You can put anything on Facebook and immediately get affirmation. And all of a sudden you think, well, see, I've got friends. Look, look how many people like this post. Look how many people commented. See, here's what happens. Anytime you experience pleasure, which getting likes and and getting retweeted and all that kind of stuff, anytime you have pleasure like that, the brain releases a chemical. It's called dopamine. Dopamine is the the, the pleasure drug, so to speak, of our our body. And addiction uh, counselors will tell you this. That people that are addicted to alcohol, to, to drugs, to pornography, to food, whatever it is, a lot of times it isn't the actual stimulus that they're craving. It's that rush of dopamine out of the brain. It's a high that you get. And I want you to think about it for your life. For those of you that are on Instagram and Snapchat and, and, and Facebook and all the various things, isn't it true that when you post something, what are you hoping Are you hoping that nobody reads it? Aren't you hoping that people are going to click the like button? That people are going to share it? That people are going to comment on it? Yeah. And what do we do? As soon as we post it, like five minutes later, if even that, we're like checking it. Did anybody like it yet? Why? Because we get that rush of dopamine. We're getting that immediate affirmation. Sociologists call this deferred loneliness. And, And what they mean by this is that A lot of us are lonely, and we realize that we need deep, authentic relationships with people. Because, again, 25% of Americans say that they have zero close friends. People desire that. Deferred loneliness simply means this, that you keep putting off making real friends because you can get this immediate affirmation through social media. That you know you want deep relationships, but why do I need deep relationships when I can get a quick fix right now? That, oh, people like me. Look how many people, like, hit the like button. Look how many people commented. Look how many people shared. Look how many people retweeted. I have a lot of friends. And so we become addicted to immediate affirmation. Number three, we now have the power to do friendship on our own terms. How many of you are like me and you remember the days before caller ID and text messaging? You're old like me. Let me let me see a raise hand. Old people? All right. Very good, old people. All right. See, it, it used to be for you young people, here's what would happen. When the phone would ring, if you picked it up, you were forced to talk to the person because you had no idea who it was on the other end. It was just like, hello? Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and you're talking to them. Now... What do we have? Caller ID. Phone starts to ring. Nope, I don't really want to talk to that person. Ignore. You're doing friendship on your own terms. Somebody sends you a text message. You have the choice. Do I respond to the text message right now, or am I going to wait until later to respond to it? Somebody posts another stupid cat picture on Facebook. You have the choice to go up into the upper right-hand corner and hit unfriend (laughs) somebody's posting too much about their business on facebook unfriend another duck-faced selfie for the seventh time this week unfriend see what i'm saying we now get to pick and choose our friends quote-unquote we're doing friendship on our terms not in the way that Scripture would encourage us to do, friendship. Guess what I'm trying to get you to see in all three of these points is this, that we have never been more connected, yet more alone all at the same time. Right? With your phone, with the internet, with technology, with Facebook, and all the things, we are connected like never before. But yet we're alone. So what do we do about it? Well, Here's what Scripture says in Hebrews 10:24. Let us think of ways to motivate one towards acts of love and good works. I mean, imagine if we were a church where groups of two, four, eight, ten people would gather together, and a major part of our gathering was to brainstorm and to encourage one another, and then to actually go out and show radical acts of love to not only each other, but then to the people of Harrisburg as well. I mean, what if we really lived our lives as if though Jesus meant it when he said that the world will know that you're my disciples because of your love for one another? What if for just a second we pretended that Jesus was telling the truth there? See, I think we a lot of times think that the Bible is a book of good suggestions, but it's not. Jesus said, the world will know that you're my disciples because of your love for one another what's hard to show love to one another when you don't really have a lot of friends when you're not living out biblical authentic relationships when you're not doing life deeply together with other people and so again imagine if we all took this command of jesus seriously that i need to invest my life into the lives of other people because that's how our love is going to be shown to harrisburg and beyond What if we actually started to do that? And we so loved one another that when non-Christians would look at us and and see our interaction with one another, they couldn't help but to say, you guys are Christians, aren't you? And imagine what would happen if when non-Christians are together, they're talking about, you know what, I don't even know if I believe the whole Jesus thing and, and all that kind of stuff, but Have you seen those people at Exponential? Their love that they have for one another and the love that they have for the community, it's almost like they're saying you matter. Wouldn't that be amazing? If we were known as a a church where our love for one another was the salt and light to this community that Jesus said that it could be. What if when non-believers got together, they said, not that we're a bunch of hypocrites, Not that we're against a bunch of stuff, but they just kept talking about our love. Wouldn't it be really, really cool if we took Jesus' word seriously, that our love for one another will prove to Harrisburg that we are his disciples? scripture writer continues on then in verse 25 and he says some people have gotten out of the habit of meeting for worship but we must not do that we should keep on encouraging each other especially since you know that the day of the lord's coming is getting closer see there is power when we gather together as a church but did you know that nationally church attendance is declining it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse People don't value the, the gathering together. What did Scripture say here? Do not forsake the assembling of yourself. I'm giving you the King James there. Uh what what did it actually say here today? Don't get uh, some people gotten out of the habit of meeting together for worship. Why? Well, because there's a sporting event, there's a school activity, there's hiking, there's camping, there's you know, this kid activity, that kid activity, there's all kinds of stuff. We've ignored God's word again. We've taken it that this scripture is a suggestion, not a command to us. That we should not give up meeting together. Don't get out of the habit of worshiping with one another. Why? Because there's power when we meet together. You're saying, "Go, can we not worship when we're all alone? Sure, you can worship when you're all alone. But what did Jesus say? Wherever two or what? Wherever two or three gather together, there I am in your midst. There is power when we come together. That we love one another and we study Scripture together and we sing together and we serve one another. We serve anybody that comes in through the doors. Do not give up the habit of meeting together. Why? Because there's power in the relationships that we have. Think of it this way. God didn't just shout his love to us from heaven. What did he do? He actually came here and walked among us. In fact, Jesus' name, Emmanuel, means God with us. Does that make sense? God could have shouted from heaven, I love you guys. But instead he said, you know what? What's most important is I come and walk amongst you and be amongst you, be in relationship with you. And so what did Jesus do with his disciples and with others? He ate with them and he hung out with them. They laughed together. They cried together. They explored scripture with one another. Jesus even welcomed in people that the rest of the world was rejecting. The tax collectors and the sinners, the prostitutes, the the alcoholics. I mean, everybody. He said, come, let's have a relationship. Because again, to him, that is the most important thing. That you have a relationship with Him? that you have a relationship with others? What did Jesus say the greatest commandment is? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And He said, and the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Love others. If you want the Reader's Digest version of what's the Bible all about, I just said it. Love God and love people. Love God and love people. This isn't a difficult book. Love God and love. Love people. It's not either or. It's got to be a both. Love God and be in relationship with people. Love people. Why? Because again, there's power in presence. So instead of a text message from heaven saying "I love you," Jesus came and demonstrated His love face to face. Well, I guess I'm trying to get you to see is this: if God thought it was important enough to come and be face-to-face and have relationship, then shouldn't we do the same thing? Shouldn't we put a value on relationships? I think we should. So let me give you two tips, two things to help you out. First thing on your outline would be this. Here's how you're going to live this out. I will love people face-to-face, not just thumbs-to-thumbs. Does that make sense? Face-to-face, not thumbs-to-thumbs. Now, here's the cool thing. If you're married, you can love belly button to belly button. But that's a different message for another day. All right. But anyway. Somebody just got that over there. Oh, it was one of the teenagers. Okay. Yeah. yeah, You guys will get that later. All right. Paul, one of my favorite guys in all scripture, he understood the power of relationships. And he says this in Romans 12, verses 9 to 10. Don't just pretend that you love others. Really love them. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. What's he say here? What's he say? Love each other, what? With genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Now just pretend, really do it. So let me give you a little old scenario here imagine you have a friend and they've gotten some bad news maybe it's you know um, a loved one has gotten sick so they got a bad doctor's report or or maybe it's something with their job or something in their marriage or maybe it's you know somebody at school and, and they they've gotten something bad that's going on there's there's three ways that we could do what what Paul says here to show genuine affection to show that we really care and to honor this person one thing that you could do and many of you do this is you hear bad news like that and you get on Facebook and you put something on their wall or maybe you send them a private message saying or you know maybe you get out your phone and you text and you say hey I'm, I'm thinking about you I'm praying for you just wanted to let you know that you know I'm here for you right that that'd be a way to live out this scripture right that you text them you, you Facebook them you, you do something like that right that'd be showing love Okay, but imagine if we took it a step further. I want to introduce you to something. This is going to blow you guys away. Pull, pull out your phones for a second. But if you got them here, pull, pull out your phone. This is absolutely amazing. If don't worry about it, Mike. You, do. yeah. All right, there is a feature on your phone. If if you hit the right thing here, let me see if I can find mine here. Yeah, there it is. Oops. If you hit the right button, there's these numbers that pop up. And if you hit like, how many is that, 10 correct numbers in a row, it'll actually, you can like talk to the person on your phone. This is for more than just surfing the Internet and playing games and texting. It's amazing. I don't know what they'll come out with next. But, I mean, you can actually put this up to your ear and talk to people. And so instead of just texting or Facebooking somebody and telling them that you're praying for them, you can actually talk to them and say, hey, how's things going? I heard the news. And and man, you know, you're able to, to hear their tone of voice and sort of get a real feel for how they're doing. And guess what? Instead of just telling them that you're going to pray for them, guess what you can do on the phone? You can actually pray for them. Isn't that a little bit better than just sending them a message? All right. But Jesus said, what? The world will know you're my disciples because of what? Your love for one another. So let's take it to the next level. Let's get really, really radical. You hear the bad news, get in your car and drive to their house. See them face to face. Because there, what are you going to be able to do? You're going to be able to give them a hug. You're going to be able to to see their body language. To hear their tone of voice. And now you can reach out and grab their hand and pray for them. Again, don't just pray for people. Pray with people. Now, again, all three of those things are okay, but, but do you see how it got progressively better as we went along? That face-to-face was so much better than just thumbs-to-thumbs? And I, I know I've experienced that in my life. I mean, there's nothing like when somebody comes to me and prays, me and with me what an encouragement that is what an act of love it is when somebody says you know what i'm taking time out of my schedule i'm dropping everything because you're in need right now and i'm coming to be there for you the world will know you're my disciples because of your love for one another you know over the past 15 years as i've been a pastor Unfortunately, many times I end up at the bedside of somebody that's about to pass away. And thankfully, most of the time it hasn't been actually like people in the congregations that I've pastored. It's like the loved ones of people in the congregations. And when I first became a pastor, I thought, you know what, I've got to, I've got to like have these magical words that I'm going to share when I get there at the bedside to comfort the family and stuff. But you know what I found? There are no magic words in those moments. And what's most powerful isn't the words that I speak. It's just being there. Yeah, you had that happen in the past, maybe it wasn't somebody dying, but just somebody's presence, just being there. They may not have said anything. It was just that they were there with you, and that meant the world to you. There is power in presence. So don't love people just thumbs to thumbs. Love them, face to face again god is a relational god he created us to be relational beings do not lose out on that relational aspect because of technology here's a couple ideas for you maybe there's somebody that you call them just you know once a month or something just to to check in so you've gone sort of that second level but maybe this month instead of calling them say hey let's go out and have lunch actually see them face to face you know, one of the, the things I, I think the, the, the lies of the American dream is this, that the American dream says, you know what? You've really made it if you live in a gated community, right? You, you've made it now because now you, you can shut the rest of the world out, right? And you're in your own little bubble here. But that is 100% contradictory to what Scripture tells us. We're not supposed to shut ourselves out from people. We're to be out amongst the people. Now, it's not wrong if you live in a gated community, but don't allow that just to, to be a bubble for you. Start inviting people in. In fact, I don't care if you live in a gated community or if you live in a house or apartment or wherever you live. Here's what I want to suggest to you. Start inviting some people over once a week or so for dinner. Maybe four or five, six people. Just have them over. And just do life with each other. Talk about what's going on. Maybe even crack open the Bible occasionally and and see what God's Word has to say about some of the situations that's going on in your life. Maybe take the little insert there. I always have a a thing there that has some questions. Maybe, you know, if it's people from here at Exponential, you talk about the message. And you pray for one another. And you eat together and you laugh together. And you just do life together. By the way, have you figured out yet that what I just described there as a life group? See, a lot of people think, I don't want to go to a life group. That's going to be boring. It's going to be like some Bible study or something. Studying the Bible is part of a life group, but there's more to it than that. It's about an intentional commitment to doing life together deeply with a handful of other people. So if you're not currently plugged into one, I want to encourage you, when we're done today, stop out the Life Group's booth in the lobby there and see about one of the the groups that's currently meeting. We don't have a lot going on right now. Maybe you need to be the one. Maybe you're the one that says, you know what, I'll I'll host one. I'll open up my home. Get together with a couple other people. Start doing life. Why? Because your love for one another is going to prove to the world that you're truly Jesus Christ disciple so number one i will love people face to face not just thumbs to thumbs number two then when in the presence of someone i must be fully engaged you see it's possible to be present but yet not really present let me give you an example of what i'm talking about let's say you have something going on in your life and it's a big big issue and you're like, I really need to talk to Gilbert about this. And so you stop me in the lobby one Sunday, and you're like, Gilbert, can we get together? I've got some things I just need to get off my chest. I've got to share this with you. I was like, sure. Uh, let's get together Wednesday night, 7 o'clock at the Starbucks right here at the uh, Shops of Susquehanna. And you're like, okay, I'll, I'll meet you there. And so we get there, and we sit down. We've gotten our drinks and stuff. And, like, you just start pouring out your heart. Imagine in the midst of sharing this deep, troubling thing that's going on with, with your life and, and going on in your heart. Imagine in the midst of that, I got out my backpack and I pulled out a book and I started reading it as you're sharing. And I'm just in my book. You'd be like, what in the world is going on? But occasionally I'm like, uh-huh, hmm keep going. All right? And so there there I am with the book and and so you you keep going and and you're 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 really, you know, getting into the meat of the story and, and just sharing everything. And then you notice that I reach back into my backpack again and I pull out a thing and you can see at the top it says to do. And as you're continuing to share, I'm writing things like stop at the grocery store, go to the bank, pick up, you know, dry cleaning. And I'm just I'm making a to-do list, and again you're you're sharing this like very intimate part of yourself. But yet there I am doing my to-do list. But I notice that you're sort of hesitating a little bit. I'm like, no, conti- continue on, continue on. But you know I'm doing it. And then you're like really to it now, and you're crying and just you know slobbering and the whole nine yards. I mean you're just pouring out your heart. And in the midst of that, I just get up, and I, I walk over, and I'm like, hey, Jake, you know, I haven't seen you for a while, and uh, how's things going, you know. And, and I'm talking to this just random guy that, you know, I, I know him about, you know, news and weather and sports, and, and you're overhearing some of this going, hello, I'm, I'm over here. I'm, like, sharing, and you're over with this guy talking about very, very trivial stuff you would think, that's the craziest thing I've ever experienced. Here I am trying to pour things out, and this guy's reading a book. He's making to-do lists. He's talking to other people. What's going on here? My point is simply this. Every time you're with somebody else and you pull this out, you've just done the exact same thing as the scenario I described. What you're saying is, what's going on on this screen is more important than you. You might as well have pulled out a book. You might as well have pulled out your to-do list. You might as well have been talking to someone else, because that's usually what you're doing, right? You're talking to somebody else. You're saying, you're not important. This person is. That's what I mean, that when you're in someone's presence, you must be fully engaged. Put the phone away. be with the people that you're with in the moment. Every time your phone buzzes or whistles or chirps or beeps or whatever your phone does doesn't mean that you've got to be like a crack addict and oh <laughs> I just gotta have it. They are more important than this this can wait. This can wait. The world will know you're my disciples because of your love for one another. Is it really the most loving thing to be standing there talking to somebody and you're on your phone distracted by it? Not at all. Not at all. So what are some things that we can do in this uh, area? Well, establish a couple of rules. Maybe in your household, I don't know, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night, I don't know what it is, all the electronics get turned off so that you can be fully engaged with your own family. Guys, if you've got to text your wife tonight, (laughs) there's something wrong (laughs) because she's going to do hashtag headache. Right? (laughs) Turn the phones off. When you're out with your friends, make it a rule. First person that pulls their phone out during dinner has to pay for everybody's dinner. That'll teach you pretty quick. When you're with your life group, everybody leaves their phone by the door. Power and presence, but even when you're present, you've got to be fully engaged with what's going on. To begin to wrap up, let me share one more scripture with you. In First John chapter three, verse 18, it says this, "We should love people not only with words and talk, but by our actions and true caring." Again, don't just pray for people, actually pray with people. Don't just like something on Facebook. Actually like the person by caring enough for them to go and spend a little bit of time with them. You know, I think it's this whole time issue and, and spending time together. That was why the, the early church just grew so tremendously fast. I think we've lost part of that in you know, our day and time here in 2015. The early church, they were, they were being greatly persecuted because of their faith. And so all they really had was one another. I mean, literally, you could die for being a follower of Jesus. And so they, they needed each other for love and for support and for encouragement. They truly did life together. Sometime read Acts 2, 42 to 47. And it just talks about the daily habits of the early church. They were getting together to eat, and they were getting together to worship with one another, and getting together to, to study Scripture with each other. And here's what's most amazing. A little bit later then, it says this. that If any of them was in need, somebody would go, Oh, you don't need to be in need. I'll just sell something of my own and give you the money. And Scripture tells us that there was no needy person among them. How incredible would it be if we loved one another so much that there was never a need among us? Because we loved each other enough to say, what I have is yours and what you have is mine, and we're just going to share it and, and just love one another. And the church just grew and grew and grew and grew, just this rapid, rapid expansion. And a skeptical world was looking on at these early followers. And I'm sure many of them were going, you know what? I'm not sure that I believe this whole Jesus rising from the dead thing, but I'll give those Christians one thing. Man, their love for one another is unbelievable. In fact, it's so unbelievable that I'm still not sure about Jesus. I'm still not sure about the whole Bible thing, but. I want to investigate more. I want to see what this is all about. See the words of Jesus were coming true. That the world will know you're my disciples because of your love for one another. And the church just kept growing by the thousands and the thousands and the thousands. Acts 2.47 concludes by saying, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Daily. Not weekly, but every single day. Day. So again, I want to remind you that the world and, and Harrisburg isn't going to know that we are Christians because of how many likes we've gotten on Facebook. They're not going to know how many or that we're Christians because of how many followers we have on Twitter. They're not going to know that we're Christians because of how fast we respond to emails or text messages. No, they're going to know that we're Christians because of our love for each other. And for some of them, they're going to go, what do you got that I don't have? Because there's, there's something that you have, and, and I want it. And see, that's your chance to say that the reason that I love the way that I do is because God first loved me. He loved me so much, in fact, that he sent his son Jesus to come and die on the cross that all my sins could be forgiven. And what I've decided is that if he was willing to love me that much, the least I can do is to love him back and to try to love other people in the same way. And you can let him know that the motivation to your love is because of your relationship with Jesus. And that in that, you found freedom. You found hope. You found purpose. And Yes, along the way, you've actually found a couple close friends. Let's pray together. Father... I thank you that your word says that you are a friend of sinners and so God even before we can become friends with others you wanted to be a friend of ours and so Lord you did you you came and you lived the perfect and sinless life that we could never live and then you died on the cross so that all of our sins can be forgiven and so that we can have not just an uh, eternal life with you forever but But God, you made it so that we can have an abundance of life right here and right now. And Lord, uh, an abundance in life is not just about stuff, but it's about the richness of our friendships. And so Lord, help us to take this very, very seriously that relationships are so important to you. Again, not just our relationship with you, but our relationship with other people. And so help us to not be concerned about what's going on on a screen but be concerned about what's happening right in front of us. And actually get to know people and love people and and care for them. And Lord, I pray that as we do that, especially with our fellow believers, that God, your, your words would come true. That the world will know that we are your disciples because of our love for one another. And that the people of Harrisburg would see that and have a hunger for that. And that many people would come in a relationship with you. Not because of the clever words that we shared. But because they saw a demonstration of love in our lives. Help us, God, to be a loving, loving people. Or as we sang earlier, we are a chosen generation. Help us to be the generation that even in the midst of all the wonderful tech, and all the wonderful tools that social media provides help us to not forget your commandments to us. To love God. To love others. To not forsake the assembling of ourselves together in worship. To do life deeply together with just a handful of others. God, thank you for using us to change this city and to change this world. I pray all these things in Jesus' name.